Colossians chapter 5. It's generally advisable to turn electronics on. We good now? If God did not affix my head to my shoulders, I think I'd be without a head a whole lot of times. I tell you what. Which gets even more poignant when you look at what we're talking about today. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 5 is where we'll be. Ephesians chapter 5. And again, I would just like to take a, a moment and let's pray, ask God's blessing upon our time together in his word. Pray with me. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for the beauty and the provision of a plan for and a design for marriage, Lord. We thank you uh, for that you've made us uh, husbands and you've made us wives, and you've given each of us distinct responsibilities and roles and functions to play, Father, and and just uh, continue to write on our heart the fact that our marriages paint a picture to this world of you, Lord, and and your love relationship that you have for the body of Christ, to the church. And so, Father, uh, this is sensitive to my own heart because while it's beautiful and I give you praise, it's also really hard. And, uh, and, and we all tend to look at, at passages of Scripture like we're about to hear this morning, and, and we can feel great conviction at times, Lord. And so uh, it is with the eyes of comfort, the eyes of praise, and just a, a humble spirit, we come to your word. Father, as husbands, make us more and more the leaders you'd have us to be. And as the wives and the ladies here who are wives, Father, continue to make them more and more the helpers that you've designed them to be to your glory, Lord. For those that aren't married, Father, might you prepare their hearts as well for the things you have ahead one day for them. We love you, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So we're continuing our discussion about marriage here this morning, and we're continuing on with that series that I had done at uh, Tip City, but what we did is we, we hit the brakes on it. We really slowed down because there's just too much good stuff to talk about. And so when we got to marriage, we first talked about the biblical injunction for us to leave. Uh, well, we actually first talked about uh, the, God's purpose for marriage. Can anybody rem- remember with me, what is God's purpose for marriage? Well, a husband is going to leave his, his family, and a wife is going to leave her family, and God's going to bring them together as one. And this is God's intention for the marriage relationship. Unity between a man and a wife, reflecting beautifully uh, the, the, the symmetry and the, the tri-unity of God. We talked about all of that. And then from there, we talked about God's provision for the couple, that as a couple comes together as one, there's some things that need to be in place. And that includes leaving former family relationships and coming together and cleaving together. We looked last time at how when we cleave to our spouse, it's really a reflection, and that only comes about as we cleave to our God. As we cleave to God the Father, that enables me to look outward and cleave and be joined to my wife. 
now we're coming together and we're pursuing this vision, this, the, the, uh, the goal of unity. And so today we're going to be looking at the roles and the responsibilities of, uh, of a husband and a wife as being uniquely and distinctly created by God. You can see on the slides up here, we've got two different colors. Again, we're just going with uh, kind of modern culture, how, how things are, are, are often depicted. But we've got blue wires and pink wires, and they're different And how do we work together? You're also going to notice some umbrellas. That's important. We'll come back to those umbrellas at some point as we talk about God's plan for what is a husband supposed to do? How is he supposed to advance and act and move towards his wife? And how, what is the role of a wife in the home? And how is she to move and advance toward her husband? Well, perhaps you might enjoy uh, a little bit, and you can probably relate with this. And in our marriages, things change over time. Could many of us uh, assent to that idea? The honeymoon certainly does not look like the, uh, the golden years, so to speak. Much has transpired from the time of new, young love, which is exciting. Honeymoon, I mean, it's, what is honey? It's, it's sticky. And, and, a, and a new husband and wife are just stuck to each other. They, they can't get enough of each other. And as the years go on, maybe you've had too much of the other person. You just want to, you need a little space. I need, I need to breathe. I, uh, <laughs> nobody sit within six inches of me on the couch, please. No. So uh, there's phases to our marriages with all of this. One of the ways that we can see some of these differences that arise over the years is in how we treat each other when we're ill. All right, so from a, 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 this is what you might hear when a, a couple, they've been together in their first year of marriage. You might hear this when one of the spouses is sick. Sugar dumpling, let me pause. I've never called my wife sugar dumpling. Honey, if you're watching, please don't ever call me sugar dumpling. <laughs> I might look at my, I'm white as sugar and I look like a dumpling. Is that what we're doing? No. Sugar dumpling, I'm really worried about my baby girl. You've got a bad sniffle, and there's no telling about these things with all the strep going around. I'm putting you in the hospital this afternoon for a general checkup and a good test. I know the food's lousy, but I'll bring in your meals from your favorite Rosini's. I already have it all arranged with the floor superintendent. Then year two comes around. If the wife gets ill, it might look a little different. Listen, darling, I don't like the sound of that cough. I've called Doc Miller to rush over here. Now you go to bed like a good girl just for Papa. (laughs) We won't comment on that. Third year, maybe you better lie down, honey. Nothing like a little rest when you feel lousy. I'll bring you some soup. The fourth year, now look, dear, be sensible. After you've fed the kids and done the dishes and washed the floor, you better lie down. Fifth year, why don't you take a couple aspirin? Sixth year, I wish you'd just gargle or something instead of sitting around barking like a seal all evening. Seventh year, for Pete's sake, stop sneezing. Are you trying to give me pneumonia? I appreciate that because uh, it certainly looks different as the years go on. Remember when we 
pledged to one another, I do, we often pledged, most traditional vows say, for better or for worse, and in sickness and in health. We just think we'll have more of the better and more of the health than we often do. But there's a different reality that, that many of us uh, can experience in, in ministry, and this is kind of, or in marriage, and, and this, is, this is part of the heart of uh, the hard times that can be experienced in marriage. There's a story told of a woman who had finally had enough, and she left her husband, perhaps because they were, they were more in the take an aspirin, suck it up buttercup phase of their ministry than. Uh, than in the loving, tender, caring for. Maybe they, they had a, all natural progression aside. Maybe things had grown a little too cold, not just during times when the wife or husband had a cold. But this woman had left her husband. The husband called the police and he filed a missing persons report. She didn't even tell him where she had gone. And a few weeks later, the police found her several counties away. Now, they asked him if, he wanted, uh, if they, he wanted them to actually take him over to her. By this point, the husband had realized how poorly he had been treating his wife for all of those years. So he decided to write his wife, and he did this for months. He would just uh, faithfully write letters. Finally, Christmas came, and he went to see her, and sadly, this woman, she was living in this old, run-down, flea-bag, dirty motel. And as it was Christmas, he comes to her, and he asked her to come home, and she did. On the way home, he said, now, I've been writing you for months. Why did you come home so easily? And she replied, because those were just letters. This time, you came in person, and you showed me that you loved me. As we're coming to God's word this morning, it's with the lens, and we are going to be talking about what God has gifted and directed men specifically as husbands, and what God has gifted, uh, who he has gifted them to be in the home, and his directions and responsibilities for them. It is with the eyes that we receive this so that we might visibly show and demonstrate and do and live out God's plans for us so that the other person can see and understand who they are in our eyes as a reflection of who they are in Christ's eyes through us. This is, the, this is the marriage relationship that we come to. So on your outlines this morning, we first begin uh, by stating this. And remember, we're, we're several points into it, so if you have an outline, this is point number three. I've never been at point number three so early on in a sermon. This is exciting. But on your paper, on your handout, we have uh, this. God's roles for men and women in marriage necessitate some different things. So what we're going to look at is what, what function do, does a man and what function does a woman serve in the home? Thankfully, we're not left to our own devices to figure these things out. God has given us a plan. Uh, the first thing is that husbands are called by God 
to lead their homes. Husbands lead their homes. But notice there's some very important qualifiers in all of this. They're to lead their homes in the manner of Jesus Christ. Because as we read here in Ephesians chapter 5, and we looked at all of this, and we've been in these passages before as we've talked about marriage, as we look at all of these different components, we see time and time again, husbands, you do this because Christ did this for the church. Christ has livingly demonstrated for us what it means to lead others, and what it looks like to love others. And this is the pattern. This is is how a man uh, is to lead his home. Now, I want to point out, uh, when we we go through this, I I often like to talk about when we discuss the roles of men and women and the responsibilities for this, uh, there is a prerequisite. Of course, you need God's word with you this morning. You know what else you need? A big stick, right? What are you going to do with that big stick? Well, when I'm talking to the husbands, the wife gets to get out that big stick and jab, right? And say, hey, see what you ought to be doing? Is that what we're doing? Is that what God's word calls us to do? No, never. In fact, there is a reason that you've got pink and blue up here on, on the screen. The reason for that is it's very much like this. God has given us two distinct pieces of mail. All right, that's M-A-I-L. All right. If you are a man, God has called you and invited you when he brings you into a marriage relationship, you are now a husband. The instructions that we are looking at right now belong to you and you alone as a husband. Wives, do you know that it's a federal offense to read mail that, does not, that is not addressed to you? All right. So these things are not for you. But don't clock out. Join us. Listen. Learn, because you can encourage. Men, in just a couple moments, we're going to turn to the pink verses in here. We're going to look at the instructions that God has gifted women uniquely with all of that. Again, this is not your mail, but this is her mail. We do not use God's word ever as a club, right? to beat someone else into submission with it. Now, God's word is a a living two-edged sword because it pierces our heart, and God's spirit writes things on our heart. All right, that's let God do his work, but we're, we're not going to use God's word as a weapon as we start talking about God's plan and what he has for us and all of these things. Now, we do recognize, again, that... Uh, uh, the husband is called lead. How so? Well, let's, let's read again verse 23 and verse 24. Paul says this, uh, For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. God has placed a hierarchy, so to speak, in the home. First and foremost, it's of God himself, and then uh, he entrusts to the men, to the husbands, to lead in that sense, and from there the wife uh, comes about her instructions in a moment. 
But again, just as the church is subject to Christ, uh, why? Because Christ is the Savior. He is the one that saved. He is the one that sought us out. He is the one that served us. These are all things that, that are involved in being the leader. Uh, the, the man takes the initiative and he goes first. There's, there's a, a story that's told of a married couple. They were, they were fighting. No, none of us know what that's about, right? They were quarreling and they ended up giving each other the silent treatment. Now, two days into this argument, the man realized that he needed his wife's help in something. He had to catch a flight to Chicago for a business meeting the next day, and he had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Now, not wanting to be the first one to break the silence, he wrote on a piece of paper that said, please wake me up at 5 a.m., Well, the next morning, the man woke up only to discover that his wife was already out of bed. It was nine o'clock in the morning. His flight had long since departed. He was able to find his wife, and he demanded an answer for her failings. But it was right before that moment that he noticed a piece of paper by the bed, and it read, it's 5 a.m., time to wake up. Now, that is a ridiculously silly story that I hope really isn't true, but I've met people before, and I have a feeling it is actually true. That's petty. I've never been petty, particularly in the context of my marriage. When God places in the home a husband, and he says that we are to lead our families. It means that as men, we take the initiative. We are the first ones to break the silence whenever there needs to be silence broken. We take the first step. We've done the series here at our church before. Maybe you're familiar with it otherwise. Uh, But there's a series called Love and Respect by Emerson Egerich. Wonderful, uh, life-giving tools to help men and women learn how to speak in loving ways uh, towards the wife and for the wife to speak in uh, respectful ways and, and, and to just advance and meet each other's needs in a beautiful, beautiful way. Uh, but we often find that uh, in, in a marriage relationship, if a husband is not feeling as if his needs are being met, and you can start any which way. I'm just starting with the husband because I happen to be one. But if a husband is feeling as if his needs aren't being met, and uh, he and, and she is just acting in, in disrespectful ways, uh, or uh, she tends, uh, he tends to move towards his wife then and advance towards her in ways that come across unloving. And love is one of the greatest needs of her life. And so as he's coming across to her in unloving ways, well, her needs aren't being met, and now she's being hurt. And when her needs aren't met and she's feeling unloved, she tends to act and respond in ways that are non-respectful to him. And so on and on we go, back and forth. His needs aren't being met, and that fuels her, her responses. And back and forth, it's this, this pendulum that swings back and forth. Emerson refers to this as something called the crazy cycle. 
all right? And that's, have you ever, can you identify with hopping onto a crazy cycle? I mean, I can think of what it's like outside of marriage, much less in in marriage, you, you just have this, you're spinning your wheels and you're, you're going nowhere, but maybe down, you know, just things can easily devolve with that. And he puts something out there. He says, well, how do you get out of this crazy cycle? And there are tools. There's truth to transform and redeem any difficulty, any situation. God's empowerment through grace, through Christ is available for us. But how do you get out of that cycle? And Emerson tells us this. He says, whoever is the most mature in that moment, they're the one that, that you know, you stop the crazy cycle and you advance. If it's the wife that's more, uh, you know, has a godly wit about her in the moment, she can, she can back off. She can then see what's going on and she can minister to his needs and, and, and you can move forward or vice versa. And I appreciate about that, about that, uh, that, um, that tool. But as I spend more time and as I really come into passages like Ephesians chapter 5, and we look at the example of Christ saving the church, who initiated this? Christ, God, initiated this. God saw us in our sin and he sent his only son. In fact, he sent, the, he sent his son into a hostile environment that would reject him, that would hate him and call out, crucify him when he didn't deserve it. God the Father sent Jesus Christ. God did. And as we see the example of all the ways that a husband leads in his home, ideally through loving his wife, and we'll get to the loving component of it. Those are our responsibilities. But the role of leading, again, pictured, modeled after Jesus Christ, it started with Christ. And so while I appreciate there is some pragmatic wisdom to whenever we're stuck in the treadmill of the crazy cycle on that hamster wheel, I get it. Whoever is most mature, they can be the first ones to step outside of that hamster wheel and get things back on track in a God-glorifying way. However, men, this is for you. This is blue paper stuff. I truly believe based off the authority of God's word and seeing this, that because God saw our need and he stepped out of eternity into our world, the onus is on us. The burden is on us. As leaders of our home, we move first. And that is one of the hardest things about being a godly husband. Because I don't want to move first. There are times I don't want to move anywhere. I want to stay here. I'm mad. I'm not ready to be done being mad at the moment. But God invites us to take the first step. To the glory of God, I praise him because he took the first step for me, for us and for you. So as men, we lead our homes in the manner of Christ.
Well, conversely then, if there's someone leading, we have a a, a backed coin here. It's two sides of a coin. If someone's leading, if there's a a heads, there's a... There's a tail. There's another component of that. And we see that wrapped very much into uh, Paul's uh, instructions to the husbands to be the head of the home. Wives, then, are to submit to their husbands as unto Christ. Wives are to submit to their husbands as unto Christ. <clears throat> submit here means to range or put under something. It means to order oneself under something. So to submit to their husband means that they're going to order under, they're going to place themselves under that. And I told you about, uh, take note of those, those umbrellas for a moment, because I have one here, and I think an umbrella is one of the best illustrations of what submission is and what really happens. I'm sorry I don't have any uh, pink or blue umbrellas. I guess it's kind of blue here. All right. Why an umbrella? Well, if the idea is that uh, a wife is to submit, that means come under, all right, order her life, order things under that of the husband, because God designed the husband to be the head of the home, to be the leader of the home. And the response to that is, well, I'm just going to come up under here. What is an umbrella meant to do? It's meant to protect, isn't it? I mean, it was just raining out there. I wasn't expecting any rain, and lo and behold, it's raining outside. I saw some wet ground. And uh, does an umbrella do you any good if you walk alongside like this? Might keep your your hand dry, but it's not going to do any good at all. But if you order yourself underneath it, now you've aligned yourself with the purpose of the umbrella. You're enabling yourself to be ordered under and protected by the natural design of how God made things to be. And that is exactly what is happening whenever we follow God's pattern and God's uh, plans for biblical headship. We order ourselves underneath God's plan for us. And as we do so, God, there's a natural protection that exists. Why? Because this is what it was made for. That's what an umbrella does. It protects from the rain. And when God created family relationships, he created it under this hierarchy. If you're looking here on the screen, we can see this. And this is not just limited. If we just talk about this idea of the umbrella between a husband and a wife, we're really missing the boat here because there's so much more at stake than just a a wife submitting to her husband. No, it's, it's her husband protecting her and serving her and leading over her and leading her, protecting her. But the husband is not doing this in and of himself. The husband is not just some rogue guy holding on to an umbrella for someone else. Because as a husband, I'm holding my own umbrella. And who, is, who, who am I under? No one's at the top save for Almighty Creator God. He is at the top. But you can see here on the screen, we've got uh, 2 Corinthians, or sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 
In verse 3, it's the ultimate depiction of headship. And you can, it's kind of hard for me to read up here. But it says, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. My picture doesn't even fully show all of this, because you have the wife under the headship of the husband. The husband is submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is submitted to God the Father, and he lived in perfect submission and obedience to God the Father's will. Jesus Christ never once stepped outside of, of God the Father's will. If he would have, we would not have salvation of sins, but he fully placed himself under the will of the Father. So by the time it gets to us in our marriage, God protects his son. Jesus Christ is head over the husband, and the husband is head over his wife. And guess what? It doesn't stop there because who's the wife head over as well? The children. Timothy. Paul Paul was clear about that to Timothy, that there are aspects of that sort of uh, provision as well. So this idea of headship just doesn't start and stop with the marriage relationship. It expands to each of us before God. And I will point out that while a wife comes under the umbrella of her husband, ultimately, if she's there, you can see in the photo, she is under the biggest umbrella of them all, right? She is submitting to the Lord. She is ordering her life as unto Jesus Christ. Christ, as unto Christ. And this is where we can really come, because why this topic gets really hard for us, why we just flat flat out don't like it, and the world hates it. You can just say that. The world rejects it, and the world is going to deny it and degrade it as, as much as it can. The reason we we struggle with this so much is because of sin. Whenever a a husband is not walking with the Lord and he's not placing himself under uh, in submission, under under the umbrella of the Lord Jesus Christ and God is not fueling his needs so that he can tend for and care for the, the needs of his wife's heart, whenever he has stepped out from underneath the umbrella of, of, of submission to the Lord, <clears throat> He's not being protected by that. And so if the wife is now underneath the husband's umbrella, there's pain, right? There's going to be suffering that that comes and that occurs at all of that. But I want us to point out, again, we go back to the idea of blue instructions, pink instructions. Anytime God gives any of us instructions, all right, the enablement is always there for us to obey. The provision for us to walk in faith and to appropriate whatever the instruction is, is always there for us in every situation. Whether it's to forgive, whether it's to not steal or not lie, God's provision is always there for us to fulfill it. And it is never dependent upon someone else. I am responsible to God and God alone to not steal, to not lie. It doesn't matter 
that when I go to Walmart and I'm waiting in the self-checkout aisle and they just tease me with 15 varieties of Reese's candy bars. I'd send that for Lisa. No. <laughs> it doesn't matter that they put them there and, and they know that I have zero self-control and that I, I just can't help myself. I've got to get those. Nah, that's not... I mean, that's silly, right? There, there's no justification for me to just take what does not belong to me and for me to take it and steal it because I am responsible to God for the instruction given to me. It gets hard, though, whenever we get into to these areas. I am responsible as a husband to lead my home and protect my home and serve my home and love my home regardless of how Everyone in my home may treat me. And they could treat me pretty poorly. But it doesn't matter. That's like those, the, the candy bars just sitting. It's not the candy bar's fault. My God gave me the instruction to not steal. In terms of marriage, my God gave me the instruction to lead my home. Ladies, God has given you the instruction to submit and order yourself under the headship that God has provided for you. Now, is that hard? Yeah. Yeah, that can be very hard. It's hard enough when we're all attempting to walk after God. It's hard enough when we're trying to walk after God and walk in the Spirit and obey God's God's instructions and His teachings. It's that much harder if one of our spouses is not walking with the Lord and is living in sin and disobedience. And and there's things to be considered, and there's conversations with all of that. Any questions arise with all this stuff, let's talk. But what we're doing is this morning we're pointing out for us that God has a plan for our homes, and it's that husbands would lead, and it's that wives would in response, submit themselves as unto Christ. In Bible school, Thursday nights were particularly busy. There was a lot of hustle and bustle around the school back in the day. It's kind of fun that uh, Tim and Lori are here because they were, they were part of that. There were extra people and actually extra classes uh, going on. They had uh, some women in ministry courses had, had started. And so we had classes going on everywhere. And uh, in the middle of class one evening, we heard roaring laughter that would just not stop. I mean, it was so loud and persistent that we actually paused class several times. Uh, I can uh, specifically, we, we were trying to figure out what it was all about. Well, I remember my wife was in that class uh, uh, of where the laughter was coming from, I'll tell you that. And uh, she later shared with me that Mrs. Bedore, who was teaching the class, had asked for scripture references about godly biblical womanhood and marriage. Now, intending to reference 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, that says, In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works, they had accidentally cited the wrong scripture verse. They had quoted 1 Timothy 2.10 when the quote was was actually this. 2 Timothy 2.10 states, Therefore, I endure all things 
for the sake of the elect. Laughter erupted as they discovered the error and the misstatement. And it struck a chord with all of those ladies regarding the hardship of walking in God's role as a helper, submitting and respecting their husbands. And sadly, all too many struggle and bear the burden of enduring and suffering because of the poor, sinful choices of their husbands who are not leading and loving in a Christ-like manner. This is where we have to recognize the nature of God's instructions. The commands, again, are independent of one another. Husbands lead no matter what because that is God's design. Women submit and help despite the actions or fulfillment of the husband's role simply because this is your God-given design and role. The idea here is are we willing to accept God's plan for our life despite and no matter what the circumstances might look like around us, despite whether it's easy or not? Pastor Boyd had said a couple times, it's not whether we should, but is he worthy of it? And this is, we can make that connection right here in the most fundamental of relationships. Is God worthy of me following and obeying his instructions? Because it works. We're protected when we come under God's, uh, God, when we follow his word. There's just a natural protection and blessing when we do things his way, because he created them to work that way. And so the call to us is no matter uh, what our spouse may be doing or whatever they may not be doing, are we willing each to order ourselves under the umbrella that God has gifted us, be as a, a wife or be it as a husband? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we just thank you again for your plan as revealed in your word. Thank you for these things. Thank you for this time together. Pray for our marriages. Father, in in the areas where we're struggling, give us victory. Give us hope. Give us direction. Father, in in the places, the areas that, that need healing, Father, help us find healing and move towards that ultimate goal of unity in Christ. We thank you for these things, and it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Well, let's close.